0: All right, we got
1: some mailbag questions for you coming up. Answered 100% correctly as always, or your money back. I am in Nashville, Tennessee, where the Bucks have completed their workout, their first of two practices with the Tennessee Titans at the Titans facility. Pretty interesting day uh, up here in Tennessee. Had a chance to talk to Carl Nassib. If you recall, he signed his one-year deal with the Bucks on Tuesday night. Actually, at the hotel, he met the Bucks up here in Nashville and uh, joined the team. He returns, of course, back to the club that he was at for two seasons where he had a lot of success, Carl Nassib did. Twelve and a half sacks in two seasons and was very instrumental in helping guys like uh, Shaquille Barrett, who had that terrific year uh, in in Nassib's uh, second season there. He spent two years with the Raiders the last two seasons, and his production dropped off, obviously. I mean, he was down to... I think, something like four sacks over those two years in about, I don't know, 16, 17 games, or no, more than that, actually. Uh, let's see, he would have played, uh, yeah, he would well, two seasons. He he would have played about 27 games, I think. Um, and, you know, he wasn't a starter that all that time, so he played a lot of special teams, things like this. He comes back to the Bucks because, frankly, they need him. Um, Cam Gill unfortunately, who had a great first preseason game. He had a sack, a tackle for loss, a couple tackles. As a matter of fact, he ended up getting a Liz Frank injury, he had surgery on Tuesday, so he's going to miss some time. And so they need um, some depth at the outside linebacker position. And Carl was a guy that I'm sure um, they had considered even in the offseason. And it was interesting in talking to Carl, um, you know, I asked him, like, did did you, were you surprised that, you know, this late, sort of into the preseason you were still available and he said no um he actually wasn't he said that he was being very very selective and this was the perfect situation for him i mean he comes back um not only to a a place he loves in tampa bay um but also a defense that he thrived in and essentially the same coaching staff is still intact as well so he didn't do much really on Thursday. Um, you know a lot of individual drills and things like that or on wed on wednesday i 'm sorry he 'll do more today, I would think, and then a chance that he plays in a game as well um, but there 's still some catching up to do physically, he looks like he kept himself in really good shape i mean Carl was always a big workout guy, so there doesn 't seem to be any problem there um, you know so i I, I think he 's going to he 's going to catch up what 's interesting about nasib of course, and i 'm kind of bearing the lead a little bit is while everything's the same for him coming back to this team, this coaching staff, this defense, he has completely changed and changed a good portion of the world for the better. Um, if you recall about a year ago, last June, um, Carl came out as gay and, and made history. Uh, he was the first active NFL player, um, to, to come out as gay. Um, there's been, you know, several players that have retired after they were done playing announced, um, you know, that, that, that they were, but, but Nassib did it, um, in part because, you know, he, he just felt it was time. He, you know, he, he had tremendous support from his family, his friends, and he didn't just stop with his announcement. He also, um, did, has done a lot for the Trevor project and the Trevor project is the world's largest suicide prevention and crisis intervention program for the LGBTQ community. And, you know, when he, when he came out a year ago, uh, he matched all donations up to a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, he did that again just this past June as well. And so, you know, he's, he's really enabling, um, the people like himself, uh, uh, to come out and, and to get intervention if they, um, have suicidal thoughts or other things going on, bullying, that sort of stuff. You can speak to counselors confidentially. You have access to uh, online communities. And so, um, uh, that's been very important. And he says it's one of the best things he's ever done. He said, uh, you know, that the, re- the response, uh, to his announcement, uh, has been a blessing. Um, of course he has plenty of support, but he's, he's gotten, you know, messages and information back about all the people that he has helped, um, that saw Carl's courage and, and then, um, you know, began to, uh, come out themselves and, and, and deal with, um, you know some of the problems and, and and feelings that they had that you know might have led uh to suicidal thoughts and these sorts of things so um carl carl is uh, first and foremost a, a really good football player and that's that's what he ultimately wants to be known for um but this is not insignificant what he has done and the mark uh that he has made uh in history um as the first uh player in the NFL active player uh, to come out as gay it wasn't a uh, a perfect day for the Bucs. Uh, they had some bad news, and that is uh, their safety free agent, Keanu Neal, um, is going to miss the rest of the preseason. He had an, an undisclosed injury. I'm not exactly sure what it was. I don't want to speculate. I, I think I have an idea. Um, the good news of, of that is that it's not season-ending. Uh, he will miss the preseason. He's not going to play on Saturday, obviously. He won't play in Indianapolis the next week. Then there's a week in between. The third preseason game and the start of the regular season, and so they're hopeful that, you know, maybe they get him back by the start of the regular season at Dallas. I think that that might be optimistic, but it's not been ruled out. So um, I know that uh, in talking to some of their coaches, man, he was looking really good. They're very disappointed that he's going to miss some time, and um, you know, they certainly certainly could use him. But um, it's one of those things, you know, you football is football, even though you're limiting contact you're trying to practice the right way um if you're out there running around and, and and making contact with people or just you know making football moves things like that can happen and so count o'neill is, is going to miss some time and that's unfortunate I guess a lot of their part of their depth i think that they you know acquired in the off season with logan ryan and keanu has is, is really helped them um just watching the bucks they didn't have a great day and you know, it started off really that way with one-on-one drills. I mean, the receiver against defensive back drills are, you know, heavily weighted towards the receiver. I mean, obviously he knows where he's going. It's man-to-man coverage. Um, and, you know, you have to consider first and foremost that, you know, the Bucks did not practice Mike Evans. They did not practice Chris Godwin. Russell Gage didn't practice. Julio Jones did. And Jones, of course, was with the Titans. Um, just a year ago, so a lot of those defensive backs over there are familiar with Julio. Um, but just watching them, you know, they they didn't complete as many balls as you should in that situation. I thought the Titans kind of won the drill, um, but they got better as a game as the day went along. They they had some success in the two minute offense uh, behind Blaine Gabbert, behind Kyle Trask, and and moved the ball pretty well into field goal range. There, I think Ryan Suckup was. Uh, two out of three if I'm not mistaken in, in those situations including he made a, a one from about 50 yards or 50 plus so it was a decent day for him um, the funniest thing that happened um, is kind of a light moment looking back on it now uh, but they were doing um, pass rush drills and you know that's obviously when you get the Bucks offensive line uh, against the Tennessee Titans defensive line and you know, there'll be one player from the other side that will go up against one player on the Bucks offense. And so, you know, you, you have a snap. Um, Robert Hainsey with the starting unit was snapping the ball back uh to where the quarterback would be, and instead uh Duke Preston, who is, you know, their vice president of player engagement, um, stands back there and takes the snap and and, and then that starts the drill, right? The ball is snapped, you co- you you move off the ball and and you try to protect the the passer in this case Duke Preston who's not going to throw the ball but he's you know he's back there so Preston uh is a large guy and he's a big dude like he played center for the Bills and the Cowboys and so he's no no shrinking violet but uh it was interesting uh they there was this one play where they snapped the ball to Preston and Jeffrey Simmons who was an absolute beast of a defensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans he you know, beat or got past Robert Haynesy, And as he did, he ran by, he ran by Preston and he kind of swiped him like in the back of the head or the neck. And Preston took offense to it and threw the ball at Simmons. And then there was plenty of pushing and shoving then ensued. But it was interesting to see someone like Preston, like, you know, react to it that way. Um, you would expect the players to get into it, of course, but not necessarily um, a staff member. So, uh, that was that was one of the highlights, but good day of work. Very hot out there. Um, I look like a probably a lobster right now uh, with with uh, having not put the sunscreen on. But uh, the weather up here, I must say, you know, at night I think we're in the 60s. So sorry for the, you guys back in um, in Tampa Bay. It's actually uh, been a, a fairly decent uh, run up here. Bucks will practice again today, as I mentioned. They take Friday. They'll do a walkthrough on their own. Uh, won't engage with the Titans. And then Saturday night, of course, it'll be Tennessee and Tampa Bay um, for the second preseason game. And then we'll see what happens after that. If uh, Tom Brady walks back in the building or something, it'll be be really interesting. Hey, folks, you know it's hot outside. Your electric bill's going up. We got a solution for you. It's May Electric Solar. It's a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems for 12 years now, there's all these fly-by-night companies, but May Electric Solar has committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and service warranty. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That right there is the May difference. So if you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all of its products and conducts on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors, so you know exactly who is doing the job so start saving today call the solar energy experts may electric solar at 727-819-2862. you can schedule a free estimate lower your electric bill and um save some money that's may electric solar at seven two seven eight one nine two eight six two all right so we got our mailbag questions today we'll hold over some for tomorrow as well let's get started steve all right, we'll
2: start with Michael, who tweeted, are there any other positions the Bucks might go after another veteran at now that they've signed Carl Nassib? Uh,
1: a lot of that depends on injuries. I mean, I think they're okay at most positions. Um, certainly wide receiver is deep. You know, what you don't ever have is enough tackles, and offensive tackles, I mean. Um, you know, we saw, uh, I think last week, that um, you know, they were holding Donovan Smith, Josh Wells, his wife had a baby. Um, these things happen during the season too, by the way. Um, but it's, it's difficult to have two starting tackles and the Bucks certainly have them in Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs. I mean, these guys are all pro caliber, obviously. Um, but when you get behind that, you know, it, it's hard to find them. And, and I think, I think that's always a spot you're looking for. But again, they, they're just not in, in, you know, out there, you know, on the shelf. So um outside of that I, I i mean i think they're fairly solid inside linebacker could become a concern uh if they were to get an injury there i mean they're counting on levante coming all the way back from the liz frank injury he looks okay so far um you know when you lose a cam gill that was a tough injury and, and that's why they got carl nasib um but you're only about too deep on all those linebacker positions so if they sustain any more injuries or if there's a run on one position, like there was last year in the secondary, yeah, they'll be they'll be calling people. But you know, really, uh, you're at 85 players right now, and if if they felt they they needed um, some depth, they'd be signing some guys. But uh, they just got to make it through these last two games. I think they're in pretty good shape otherwise, and um, you know they're they're fortunate that Carl Nassib was out there because. Uh, he's, he's a proven player. He didn't have the production with the Raiders uh, in terms of sack numbers that he had under Todd Bowles. So I think that's a good thing that he's coming back to a defense that he really thrived under. And certainly will be in that rotation until Cam Gill uh, comes back, which will be, uh, I think, quite a while. He had surgery on that, on that foot injury um, just the other day. So, no, I think, I think they're pretty good everywhere for now. Um, but you've got to make it through these last two games.
2: All right, Ellis tweeted us. Your thoughts on Coach Todd Bowles' subtle dig at last year's team by consistently referencing the team's mental toughness, focus on details, and finishing. I'm really digging it.
1: Yeah, you know, coaches find ways to challenge their team every year, and this seems to be Bowles' thing. And he doesn't have to go very far um, to find that motivation. All he has to do is put on the tape of the Rams game in that final drive. I mean, that – sort of encapsulated exactly what he's talking about. You know, it's late in the game. You've tied it up. Their defense doesn't get enough credit for making plays to get them back in that game. I mean, there was about three or four turnovers that um, they were a part of. One was, you know, an errant snap. But other than that, uh, without every one of those turnovers, Tom Brady isn't able to get the ball back to to take him down the field and tie the game. But that final drive is sort of what he's talking about. You know, it's been a long game. Uh, you need one stop to send it into overtime, where if you win the coin toss, I absolutely think they win the game. And, you know, they they, they had mental errors. I mean, they turned Cooper Cup loose uh, three times in that game. They'd already done it once in the first half. They did it twice more on that final drive. And those are those are communication errors. Those are mental fatigue. Um, you know, on the last play, they're, they're, you know, I mean, Bowles goes, you know, Bonzo Blitz. And... Levante David, who is playing at 60% strength, um, you know, with a uh, a Liz Frank injury is in no man's land. He's not blitzing and he's supposed to be. And he just kind of like dropping into a uh, no man's zone. And so, you know, when you don't communicate things, when you when you blow coverages that that's mental toughness, that's fatigue, uh, communication, all those things. And they turn way too many receivers loose. They did it. Uh, in Los Angeles with Cooper Cup as well, which absolutely changed that game. 75-yard touchdown. I mean, they, they, they've they gotten back into the game, first possession of the second half. It's third and 10 at, at, at the 25-yard line, and they have a coverage bust. And so that's what he's talking about. You know, it's hot out there in training camp. You get tired. You get challenged. And so he's constantly going to be on them. Uh, I mean, they're a ver- veteran group now. I mean, this defense has been together three years under Bulls and they really should know what they're doing um so you know it's it's one of those you know challenge points and like i said he doesn't he doesn't have to do anything anything special he he can say it to us the players read it i'm sure he says it to them and then he can put on the ram's tape and say this is what i'm talking about and we've seen it uh we've seen it pop up i mean there was one day after practice where he lit into them he got his team in a huddle and, I, you know, we're not supposed to repeat or report what is said by coaches during practice, but uh, everybody was sort of leaving the facility at that time, The, the you know, 3,000 or so fans. They all heard it, and um, he let him have it, you know, and words that typically don't come out of Todd Bowles' mouth. Um, so he's challenged his team, and, and he will continue to do so, but I think it's a good thing. I mean, you got to get the attention right now so you don't have those mistakes in the regular season.
2: All right, Joe had tweeted, Rick, is it more likely Tom Brady returns next season if the Bucs win it all or lose on a playoff run? Got to be at least a chance, right?
1: I've always said this. I was talking to somebody about it the other day. Um, The greater the player, um, the harder it is for them to know when to leave the party. It it just seems that way right throughout time. Um, Even today, we have examples. uh, Tiger Woods, right, nearly lost his leg. You watch videotape of him getting in and out of cars, uh, and I mean in, in present time. And, you know, he, he favors the leg that he nearly lost. And you're thinking, why is this guy even trying to play major tournaments? You know, he doesn't play enough to really, uh, you would think, challenge. And I know he won the Masters a couple years ago prior to the accident. Um, but he's still out there, and he's, he's clearly, you know, between the back fusion and everything, you know, he's a shell of his former self. Everybody loves Tiger Woods. No one would like to see him win more than, than me. I mean, I, I, I still look back at the Masters that he won a couple of years ago, one of the greatest moments in golf, and and he's still a draw. Um, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to put the clubs down. And you know what? Maybe he should. Um, but, you know, the greater the player. Michael Jordan hung the nets in Utah, which should have been a walk-off three-pointer to win his sixth championship. Um, and you thought, that's the moment. That's it you know that that's when you should leave right there you're the greatest of all time um you win your sixth championship and you do it hanging in the nets on a three-point shot with a crossover dribble that's that's the picture i want that's you know as if you if you you know, watch guys careers you go okay now's the time what does he do he comes back he winds up playing um you know for the washington wizards i think or something like that i mean it was like you know, Willie Mays, um, who looked like he was 49, was only like 39 or 40 um, playing for the Mets, you know, flailing ho- at home plate and getting tagged out uh, in a playoff. Like, there's so many examples of that, and and I think, you know, I think Brady is the same way, and I, I don't have an answer for that. Like, you would think that the ultimate ending would be confetti if he, if he were to get one more championship. That would be his eighth ring. But when he won his seven, I mean, think about this. He left New England after 22, 21 years or whatever it was, 20 years. He comes to Tampa Bay. No Belichick, right? This is the ultimate proving ground. Like, you think it was Belichick? Watch this, okay? He comes to Tampa Bay. New team, COVID, um, you know, can't get with his team in the offseason. No training camp to speak of. And starts out seven and five, wins every game after that, including a Super Bowl in the home stadium, which has never been done before. And the confetti's fallen on him, and his kids run to the field. His wife hugs him, and she says, what more do you have to prove? Great question. Uh, he, that could have been his walk-off moment right there. He's done everything. He's won a Super Bowl now with two different teams, um, You know, did it in Tampa Bay with all the factors around him in his first year. And what does he say, my favorite ring? It's the next one. Um, and he wanted to defend his title, and damn near did. I mean, I still st- if they beat the Rams, I still say San Francisco's coming to Tampa Bay. They're going to beat them and go to the Super Bowl, and I think they're better than the Bengals. So they may have won it, and he knows that, and he knows he's still playing at a high level. It's not like he's out there flailing around, but there will come a point where, you know, you'll see something. I mean, eventually. I mean, maybe he could play till he's 50 years old. Um, but I-, I don't know how it ends. I don't know that he'll ever be satisfied unless he wins a ring. And then when he wins the ring, he'll be thinking about, you know, number nine. I mean, that's just the way these guys are wired. So um, we're definitely close to the end. Uh, this could be his last year. I'm convinced this is his last year in Tampa. He he now, unlike last offseason when he went into it and he retired, he didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, clearly he was trying to get to Miami either as a, a co-owner or minority owner or Perhaps um, you know even a quarterback with with Sean Payton that didn't work out, so he'll be a free agent. He can make those decisions after this year. He's not he's not married to the Bucks. They don't own his rights. Um, and now and now unlike last year, he has a deal with Fox waiting for him to whatever he's done playing thirty seven and a half million dollars to call games for them. So he has he has an outlet you know that still keeps him in football. He didn't know what his future was when he retired. Uh, a year ago so I think we're close to it but but I don't I don't know I mean you would think if he could script the perfect ending it would be another Super Bowl but but then does he say hey I just won a Super Bowl why would I quit now I can win another one I I, I just don't know how it ends but I think I think we're getting very close to it
2: all right Phil had tweeted us he said last week you mentioned Luke Keekley was a first ballot Hall of Famer well Avante David may get in looking at the stats. Levante has better overall numbers, but not the awards. Really drives me crazy that Levante doesn't get more respect in general. Is it always just about the the awards? Not Levante's fault. He played on mostly bad bucks teams.
1: No, it's not his fault. But unfortunately, they look at a couple things um, when you get that room at the Hall of Fame, which is a, a very imperfect system, right? It's it's picked predominantly by writers. They got a couple of uh, players slash coaches in that room as well. Um and what they look at it's not so much Pro Bowls, although he didn't make those. I think he made one all pro. Um, it's things like all decade teams, which he was never a part of. There's there's a couple biases in the Hall of Fame. One is small markets, right? Uh if you play for Carolina or you play for Tampa Bay, um you're not or Arizona, you're not gonna get um as many players in as some of the legacy teams. Go check out, and I understand that the NFL, you know, has been around a while before they merged with the a- a- American Football League, which then became the AFC. Um, but go look at the legacy teams. Go count how many Green Bay Packers are in the Hall of Fame. How many Dallas Cowboys are in the Hall of Fame? How many Pittsburgh Steelers are in the Hall of Fame? It's incredible. I mean, they, you know, they keep going back to these same legacy teams, and I'm sorry, but you know you can't convince me that there's that many players off those teams that deserve to be in the hall of fame over really, really great players in some of these other markets. But if you're not on television, if you're not on national TV, Levante, unfortunately, you know, went through the, the, the almost his entire career. I mean, because he's at the end of it now um, without ever having really made the playoffs. I mean, much less a Super Bowl. And so, you know, Other players didn't see him play. They played against him. He had a lot of respect. Um, And his numbers are damn near rivaling Derek Brooks. I mean, in terms of tackles, um, you know, tackles for losses, fumble recoveries, interceptions, that sort of thing. And he'll be a ring of honor player. But it's almost impossible to get a guy like that in the Hall of Fame because they say, well, was he the best linebacker of his era? And he was one of the best. um, But. It wasn't until very late in his career that he won a Super Bowl and people actually noticed him. Uh, it, you know, I don't know how much longer he's going to play. This is his last season. If he signs another contract and somehow plays for a couple more, and they get into more national TV games, and you know they got five this year, and if they were to get five more next year, you know maybe people continue to appreciate him. Um, but it's just really hard. And the thing about Keekly, who didn't play a long time, um, but Carolina had some success. And, you know, I, I want to, I, I want to say he was defensive rookie of the year. I mean, he, he burst onto the scene pretty quickly and was drafted at the same time as Levante. So, you know, the bucks passed on him. There was, there was some comparisons there. Um, and, you know, and Luke got a lot of credit and rightfully so for just, you know, diagnosing defenses and calling out the other team's plays before they would run them and all of that. Um, and. You know, it just seemed like he got more attention earlier in his career, even though both of them um, have similar, or in some cases, Levante has better numbers because he played longer. But there's nothing you can do. You can't go back and say, you know, to those voters, and, and I'm I'm sure whether it's Ira Kaufman or whoever's in that room, if it's me it, it, for some reason as an alternate or whatever, we'll make the case for him, and it helps that he's a Super Bowl champion, but... When you, when you know, it's not always about Pro Bowls, but all pros, all decade, those kind of things really help you. It hurt John Lynch, for example. You know, they looked at his interception numbers and they were down, but you had to try to quantify what he meant to the Bucks defense when they were dominant for about 10 years. The problem John Lynch had was he came into the league at about 1994 or so, and then he left in, I don't know, 2005. So he he was half the decade you know, 95 to 2000 and then 2000 to 2005 or whatever was the, was the bulk of his, his seasons. So he, you know, he wasn't all decade in either decade and that hurt him, which is weird um, because he was the same player, but he he just happened to fall in between decades and, and stuff like that winds up costing guys. It shouldn't. Um, It's hard to explain, you know, who knows, you know, what, what people believe a hall of famer is, um, I don't think Levante will make the Hall of Fame. Uh, hopefully, he gets cons- consideration. And sometimes it takes, you know, the senior committee. You can be a, you can be you know ineligible at some point, and then you got to go through the senior committee process, which is sad. But there's no question he's been a tremendous player, one of the best in the game, and hopefully he'll get his due. But that's that's sort of why um, he you know he fell through the cracks because. You can't play at 1 o'clock on Sunday every day of your career uh, and expect the nation to know who you are. They just simply don't. He played on a, on a bad fran- in a bad franchise at that time, and, uh, and it's only the last really three, four years that people have recognized how good he is.
2: All right, Eric tweeted us. He said, after the press conference from Jeff Scott and Gary Bohannon on Tuesday, does your outlook change on the season for USF at all? It previously felt like four to five wins would at least show improvement, but now it feels like they should be closer to six to eight wins. Also, have you seen the indoor practice facility in person?
1: I haven't. I saw some video of it, and it reminds me of when the Bucks were doing their indoor facility, so it's almost together, and it looks fantastic, and it's amazing that they've gone this long without one because in Florida, as you know, you need to get out of the weather uh, at minimum, but it's, it's going to be great for them. I don't know. It, it, you know, Listen, football has not changed whether from the youth level on. If you've got the quarterback, you've got a chance. And they were very close in a lot of games a year ago. Um, you know, whether it was BYU, uh, Houston, like there's a lot of games that if they'd have finished, they had a chance to win. You can't just automatically say, well, no, this year they're going to win them. Um, you know, Timmy McLean did some good things, but he was inexperienced. I, I don't know how much better they are around the quarterback right now. Um, but you know, there's something to be said for a guy that has done it, and his leadership, Bohannon. You know, uh, you know, Jeff Scott told the story how he spoke up in practice one day and brought his team together and said, "This just isn't good enough." And he knows what it looks like, right? He's won uh, a big Big Twelve title at Baylor, like, and and you know, at that position, so much of it is leadership, um, accountability, you know. Uh, calm under pressure, poise under pressure, belief. You know, a quarterback can give your team belief that he can bring you back from any, any deficit. Um, so, I, I mean, I think they'll be better. I don't know I, I don't know that I've changed my expectations. I mean, I think they're going to probably win somewhere between five and, and six games. And look, if they win six and they're bowl eligible, that's a huge leap, you know, and then they got them back for another year after that. So, um, you know, to say they're going to go from, you know, Two or three wins to eight. I, I I think that's. I don't think they're there yet. I think I think they, you know, they have to get back into the transfer por- portals and and continue to recruit and have something to recruit on. Um, but he's going to make a difference if he can stay healthy. You know, and you know it's unfortunate that you know you can't stack the quarterbacks the way they used to, and guys get you know in the transfer portal and move on. But um, but if if he can stay healthy. Um, I would still expect them to be in that, you know, five, six, and, and and hey, if you get seven wins, you know, have a parade because it's still a tough schedule. It's still a, a pretty good conference, and you know, they just they haven't won what? What is it, Steve? Three games in the last two years? Is that what they won total?
2: Uh, yeah, and I think what two of those were one double A schools or yeah, FCS exactly.
1: schools. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, let's let's take some steps here. You know, let let's start beating some teams in the AAC and then and go from there. All right, that's all the time we have for questions today. Uh, we'll do some more tomorrow. If you have your questions, you can submit those online on Twitter at SportsdayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFLStroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Uh, the Bucs will continue their joint practices with the Tennessee Titans uh, today. And then, of course, on Friday they'll have sort of a walkthrough uh, practice by themselves. And then they play the game Saturday night here in Nashville, the Rays uh, play Kansas City, I believe, the The Royals. Yeah, four-game uh,
2: series, eight-game uh, eight, uh, eight game homestand, the Royals and the Angels. So yeah. two sub-500 teams
1: need to uh, keep keep winning. Yeah, schedule turns and getting players back. We'll be back with more of your mailbag questions tomorrow for Steve versus and Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.